everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're returning, welcome back. I'm so happy to have you all here with me today. Happy 2018. This is the first episode of the new year, and I'm really excited about it. Today, you're listening to episode 98, and I'm talking with Michelle Carter. Michelle is a shot put thrower, and she is the 2016 Olympic gold medalist in shot put. Now, this is the very first gold medalist I've talked to. I've talked to a lot of Olympians, but this is my first gold medalist interview. Now, listen to this. Michelle is the first U.S. woman to ever win a gold medal in the shot put. Not only that, she became the first American woman to win an Olympic medal in the event since 1960. That's amazing. Michelle is known as the Shot Diva. She's a certified professional makeup artist, and she was so fun to talk to. We talk about training, her faith, makeup. I asked her about fake eyelashes because I wanted to know more. Such a fun conversation, and I want to thank USA Track and Field for setting this interview up with Michelle. Now, before we get started talking with Michelle, I want to thank each and every one of you who have already headed over to iTunes and left a rating and review on the show. This makes a huge impact on potential new listeners finding the show. So if you haven't already done so, I would really appreciate it if you would open up your podcast app and search my show and go ahead and leave a quick review. And if you're loving the show and you're looking for more content, I do post bonus episodes over on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's enjoy this conversation with Michelle. And we're rolling. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. We are down at the USA Track and Field offices, downtown Indianapolis. Very exciting place to be. Oh, yes. It's always great to come here and kind of check out the behind the scenes on how this business is ran because... I don't have anything to do with this side, but um, the people who work here are like family to me, so it's always great to come and catch up with them and see what they get to do. And you're from Dallas. Yes, I am. Okay, so does is it freezing to you right now? Oh, yeah. oh yes. It's not that cold in Dallas right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you're only here for two days, though. Yeah, pretty much just for today. I flew in last night, and I'm leaving tonight. Okay, and then what do you go back and do when you get home? Actually, I am unpacking my house. Okay. I bought a house a year ago. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm still living in boxes. So now is, I have some downtime to see what I actually have in my house and what I want to keep and what I want to get rid of and just decorate. Oh, that's so fun. Um, so we're talking to an Olympic gold medalist here in the shot put, Michelle Carter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Don't be humble, Michelle. So, you know, I still have to get used to that at the end of my name, like Michelle Carter, Olympic gold medalist, because it's this thing that you dream about for so long, and it's almost like a hit and miss. You never know if you're actually going to get to accomplish it or you're not, because some people want that and don't get it, and some people get it and never thought they could have it. So um, it's definitely um, a dream come true. Yeah. So you've been to the Olympics three times, though. I have. Yeah, 2008, 2012. Yes, 2016. Yes. Okay, so you go from 15th place to (laughs) 5th place to to gold medal. Well, now I'm technically 4th place at the 2012 Olympic Games. Oh, tell me about that. Um, Well, actually, I was originally 6th. Okay. And the day after we competed in London, the 
the lady that won first, was tested positive. So they took her medal the day after the competition. So I moved up to um, fifth. And then right before, right actually, either right before World Championships or right after World Championships, I received a letter in the mail from the um, Olympic Committee saying that I was moved up from fifth place to fourth place due to more positive testing that they found, and I moved up one more spot. Well, before you know it, you're going to have silver medal. Yes. It's always always been the running joke. I always say, like, you know, if I wait long enough, I'll get a medal for 2012. (laughs) Like, I believe one of those are mine. I'm just waiting to see what time's going to tell me. (laughs) Now, well, since you brought that up, tell me what that feels like as as a clean athlete to have other athletes be testing positive and then, you know, you had spots taken from you or you didn't place this high because someone wasn't playing fair. I tend not to focus on that because the only person I can control is me. Yeah. I know what I put in my body. I know what I train to do. And I know what I'm capable of. And um, because I feel like what's done in the dark will come to light. So they were cheating. They were caught. Yeah. I get to move up into my rightful place. So I just let things handle itself. And I just focus on what I'm doing and make sure that I'm always ready and that I'm the best that I can be. So let's talk about uh, where this all began. So how old were you when you first picked up a shot put? In seventh grade, I was um, just transferred to public school, uh, was in basketball and athletics, and the coach asked me, like, hey, like, won't you try out for the track team? And I originally said, like, no, like, I don't want to run. Like, that's not for me. And she was like, well, no, you don't have to run. You can throw the shot put. I was like, okay, I'll try it out. I went home, told my dad. I said, hey, dad. They asked me to join the track team, and he kind of just looked at me. He said, who asked you what they say, how they say it, what exactly did they say? Did they tell you anything else about track and field? And I'm like, no, they just asked me to try out for the team. Because at that time, I grew up with my dad playing football. Um, give a little background, my dad's Michael Carter. He played with the San Francisco 49ers for nine years, three Super Bowl, three Pro Bowls. And he has a um, silver medal in the 1984 Olympics. In shot put. In shot put. But I um, was born in 1985, so I missed his whole track career. And so I didn't know my dad did that in track and field. I just knew my dad to play football. But he knew that people in our town and our neighborhood knew what he accomplished. And he didn't want anybody to push us towards something that he's done. He wanted us to pick our own sports, our own events, our own life. And so when, when I came to him with that, he was like, you sure you want to do this? Like, no one's making you do it. Are you choosing to do this? I'm like, yeah, I'm choosing to do it. Like, can't nobody make me do anything I don't want to do. And he told me from that day on, he was like, all right, if this is what you're going to do and you want to do it, I'm going to make sure you're going to learn how to do it right. So tomorrow we have practice in the driveway. I love that. <laughs> and I don't know how he already had shot puts already ready and lined up, but... <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Just in case. We, we, he was ready. Well, that's really admirable of your dad, too, because you I feel like you hear parents on one side of that or the other, like actors or whatever, like either pushing their kids in their footsteps to do yeah. that or just kind of stepping back and say, I'm going to let you fall into your place, whatever yeah. that may be. Oh, yeah, it's... it's that's a big thing, especially when your parents um, were successful at it. Yeah. So they were waiting for one of his kids to do something great in athletics. And he didn't want that pressure for us. He wanted us to have our own lives to do whatever made us happy. And, yeah, but once we started doing it, he was like, okay, if you're going to do it, you're going to be good at it, no matter what it was. Even if we chose, let's say, to, if I wanted to play piano – 
he will push me to be the best I can in playing the piano, but I just happen to pick the same sport he loves. How many siblings do you have? I have two. Oh, okay. Yes, it's Because you said, kept saying we, so I was thinking, do your siblings yes. do sports? Um, they did. They they don't anymore. Okay. Yeah. Did they do the, the track and field They thing? did, yes. Okay, very cool. So, um, yeah, I watched a video on your parents actually being interviewed. You probably know what video it is, and your dad yeah. was kind of talking about that, um, not wanting to push you into something. Uh, but now you're the one with the gold medal. Yes. <laughs> so all these years, it's always been a running joke between me and my dad. He always said, okay, I have more state titles than he does, and we both held the national high school record for boys and girls. And then in college, he has more NCAA titles than I have. And then in uh, professionally, he only, his last year in college was the year he went to the Olympics and he had silver medal. And I've had a longer professional career with an American record, but I didn't have an Olympic medal. So I was like, well, I guess the only way I could totally just beat you, I have to get a gold medal. Like anything less than that, I can't get. I have to get gold. So after um, the 2016 Olympic Games and when everything kind of calmed down, I was like, well, guess what, Dad? He was like, what? I beat you. You got <laughs> and it. And then he said, well, you know what? Not quite because I'm the coach of an Olympic gold medalist. Oh. He said, so now you have one more thing to try to get <laughs> Yeah, because your dad's your coach. He is my coach. Yeah, that's really special. How does that relationship work? It works. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It definitely wasn't an easy role to have my dad as a coach because um, we don't always see eye to eye. Like, he's a man, I'm a girl, and he's my dad, I'm his daughter. So And then coach and athlete, there's a lot of dynamics going on in that, but... um, one thing I can say for sure that I know my dad always had my best interest um, at heart. He wanted to push me to be the best. Um, and I think the older I get and the more I kind of look back on how our relationship grew and what happened is that um, he saw how great I can be before I did. Mm. And having him around with that vision helped push me in to being the athlete that he saw that I can be. Because there was hard times. I wasn't always at the top. I had to really work um, and earn everything that I've accomplished in this sport. And there was points where I even questioned, like, hey, you know what, Michelle, should I keep doing this? Or is, is this going to be even worth doing it? But he was there to remind me, like, no, Michelle, like, you can do this. I see it in you. You just have to keep working until you can see it in yourself. And I think that was for me the biggest benefit of having my dad as my coach is that when I couldn't see it he saw it and he still pushed me towards that goal isn't that crazy how much someone else believing in you affects you believing in yourself oh yeah it it, it matters because you hear what your what your parents tell you like be careful who you hang around because birds of a feather flock together. If you're hanging with a certain type of people or a certain kind of crowd or whatever, um, it affects you. Yep. And if my dad was the type of dad who was like, well, you know what, you're just not that good because you're struggling right now. You're never going to make it. I probably would have gave up because I'm like, well, if he don't think I can do it, then I probably wouldn't do it. But because he believed in me so much and he saw how um, 
talented I was and he wanted that for me I mean he got on my nerves <laughs> and I probably couldn't stay in him some days but I appreciate that he was able to push me past those low points in my life that I could accomplish what I wanted to accomplish and get the Olympic gold medal and your necklace says I can yes tell where, is that a gift from someone or tell me about the necklace so actually this is my necklace yeah oh you made it I yeah I, I made it and designed it and it was funny because it actually came out of um, what I was going through in 2016 because I opened up had a great year and um, indoor went well, set the American record indoor, and then won indoor worlds, and through the furthest I ever have, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing this this early, it's March, like I'm gonna kill it when it comes to outdoor. But then two or three weeks after indoor, I started having some very sharp pains in my back, mm-hmm. and I went to the doctor to find out that I had a bulging disc in my back, and so. Try to get that together, go through treatment, figure out what exactly I need to do. Um, before we could figure it out, I got sick, like with the head and chest cold, and I had a really, really bad cough. And you know how when you cough really, really yeah. hard, it tenses up your whole body, uh-huh. and every cough, like my back was killing me. So I went back to the doctor because the pain got worse, and to find out that my disc went from bulging to herniated. Ugh. And that's when I was like, you know what, like, this is not how I envisioned my 2016 to go. And during that time, I'm trying to keep a happy face about it. I'm trying to stay positive, trying to have faith about it. But on the inside, I really was disappointed and I was really upset because I'm thinking to myself and I'm like, like, okay, God, like you brought me all the way here. You gave me this much hope. And then you let this happen to me, and I'm supposed to still believe that I can get there. Because this is, like, just a few months before the Olympics. Yeah, before the Olympic trials. Like, I haven't even made the team yet. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm I'm not even going to have a chance to make the team if I can't get ready for trials. So I just remember, okay, you know what, Michelle? Like, I got to walk the walk of what I believe in. I believe that, you know, I have faith. I believe that God can do anything out of nothing. And um, so I decided... Reading books, I started um, listening to certain podcasts and certain sermons and reading the Bible and really just trying to build up my faith because right at this moment, I really need to know what faith means and not just what it means, but what does faith really look like? Like, what does walking by faith means? And my favorite verse has always been that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, like, listen... <laughs> like I'm really, really have conversations. We're like I have, I have to talk to him, and I'm like, okay, I don't understand. Like you said that I can do all things, but right now this is looking really hard. But if you're the God that you say you are, then I believe you. If what your word says is true, I believe you. So if I didn't touch a shot put from this point until the Olympic trials, I can make the team. And if I never touch a shot put. From the Olympic trials to the Olympic Games, I could win because that's the kind of God you are. That you're that kind of guy. You're that powerful. You're almighty. And I'm just going to choose to believe that and just leave it alone. And that's when I had the vision about my necklace to help remind me um, of that along the way. Because it was hard when you one day you're healthy, the next day you're not. And then you can't even really walk well because your back is messed up and you have, don't have feeling in your lower leg. Like, it's just a lot going on. I'm like, I still have to believe that I'm a win. But I chose to do that. And so, like, with faith, it's like acting as if it's already done. So if I believe that I already 
is already done that I'm going to win the Olympics, I have to act accordingly. Mm-hmm. So I went back and I was like, you know what? Olympic gold medalists don't miss practices. They watch film. They take care of their body. They go to rehab. They're going to go recovery. Going to do ice baths. So I made sure I did everything that was in my power that I can do, and that my body allowed me to do. So I would go to rehab starting at eight o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't finish with everything till eight to nine o'clock at night. And I just stayed the course. I just kept working, kept working, and just prayed for the best. So by the time I got to um, the Olympic trials, I didn't compete. Um, at all during that time because I couldn't and we were just letting my body heal see what happens so when I got to the Olympic trials and I had my last practice and my dad looked at me he was like you know what you got this don't worry you worked hard you did everything you can do just enjoy your moment go out there and compete and that's what I did and um, and I made the team and I was just it was almost like surreal because it was raining and then on top of that I wasn't in first the whole time I had to really compete for it and then it showed me that Michelle you you have what it takes you you can do this and so from that point on I just used it as a reminder to keep pushing forward until I got all the way through the Olympic Games what did you place at the trials first okay but um I wasn't first until like throw number five or yeah until the fifth throw and then um I was locked down to third and I was thinking to myself, well, if I'm top three, I still make the team. That's all I need to do yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is make the team. But deep down inside, I didn't win the last Olympic trials in 2012. Okay. I lost to Joe Camarena. But I was like, I got to come back and win this Olympic trials. I can't lose another one. <laughs> <laughs> so I came back. So in between the trials and the Olympics, mm-hmm. you were still repairing the back and everything. Yeah. How much were you able to actually practice in between those uh, two? After that, I was practicing quite regularly I wasn't able to squat or clean I had to um, find other exercises to kind of supplement that but at that time because I worked so hard before the Olympic trials from the Olympic trials to the Olympic games was more about recovery mm-hmm. and just resting and letting my body um, heal so that I'm not as sore or as tired leading up to the Olympic games so we had training camp in Houston at Prairie View University and um, I went there and I, I probably slept the most. <laughs> That's all I did was sleep, eat, practice. Because I was tired because I was putting in some hours to make sure that my body could at least hold up to what I wanted to do or at least um, do what I needed it to do. So let's since we're there, let's just go ahead and talk about the Olympics and winning the gold medal. Um, did you go in to the, the 2016 Olympics thinking gold medal? Uh, yes and no, because I feel like sometimes when we focus too hard on something, you, you sometimes can talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. I knew that I can get on the podium. And I'm like, you know what, we're we just going to go out there and do our best because my best gets me on the podium. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, I thought about it. So I wasn't like focusing in on one position. I'm like, you know what, when I go out there and do my best, my best is going to get me somewhere on there and we'll just see what happens when we get there. And um, it was just, this game was definitely different because not only 
it's the Olympic Games, but it was my third Olympic Games. (laughs) So I knew how to handle my emotions. I knew how to handle all the excitement. And I had a game plan. Like, going in there, like, this is what I'm going to do on this day. On this day, we're going to do this. On this day, we're going to see how we feel, then make a decision. So I kind of just played some things by ear, but I knew what I wanted to do. And it was the most relaxed I've ever been. At Olympic Games because it takes some practice. <laughs> sure, I was gonna say that probably really helped. It it did. Um, experience did help a lot. Yeah. Just go around and um, just going out. I just remember I was like, you know what? This is it. This is your moment. You have to give it your all and walk away knowing that I did everything that I could. I didn't hold anything back, and that's what I went for. So when did you know you had the gold? Um. When they told me I got gold. (laughs) Um, Because I threw the winning throw um, on my sixth throw, but I wasn't the last thrower. Okay. So you had to kind of like, you knew your work was done, and then you had to wait. I had to wait. Oh, that's so hard. So, because the girl in front of me, um, Valerie Adams, she's um, the two-time reigning Olympic champion. And this would have been her third Olympic gold. And that's unheard of, especially in my event. And where is she from? New Zealand. Okay. And... I just remember, okay, she's been leading the whole time, and I was in second pretty much the whole time. And I'm like, okay, if I get second, at least that's silver like my daddy. But I was like, Michelle, we don't want silver. We want gold. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, Michelle, this is our last throw. When you get up there, you got to give it your all. Don't leave nothing behind. I threw, and from where we're standing, we can't see how far it is. So I just remember the crowd reacting, like just shouting. I'm like, oh, it must have been a good throw. Like, I could deal with that. Let me just wait and see what happens. And um, I just remember her getting in the ring. She just went in and threw really fast. And I was like, okay, it doesn't look that far. She doesn't look too pleased. <laughs> so I was just waiting to see. It, it seemed like probably maybe 20 seconds. Felt like five minutes. Oh, Felt forever. And then when her mark went up and she still has she had a number two by her name. And that's when I knew for sure that uh, I actually won the Olympics. And I'm thinking to myself, like, really? I won. <laughs> like, this is how it's gonna happen. <laughs> Cause in your mind you dream about that moment and how it could happen. But then how this year that year played out for me, I would have never imagined having um that type of year with all the events that happened. But I'm glad it happened that way because I learned some valuable lessons along the way, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So I talked to a lot of people on this podcast that have made the Olympic trials. I talked to a lot of people that have gone to the Olympics, but I don't think I've ever talked to a gold medalist. <laughs> I mean, it's just very few people. I mean, very few people get to the Olympics, but very yeah. few people medal at the Olympics, let alone are a gold medalist. That's true. So do you feel... I don't know if it's, my question is, do you feel like you're held to a higher standard because of that? Or do you just, I don't know, how does that feel to be a gold medalist? That's Um, the best in the world. It is the best. (laughs) I'm very honored that I am in this position. And I would say for my event, um, the first Olympic medal the U.S. has ever had was in 1960 by Erlene Brown. uh, And she had bronze. Mm. And to have... An Olympic gold medalist in the U.S. today definitely shows that um, 
how much we've grown in our event. I'll say in our event because the women's throws have been kind of at the bottom for a long time for Team USA. But we're definitely putting in the time and the energy and the work to put us back on the map and let these other young girls know, like, hey, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Not only you can do what I did, but you can do better than me mm-hmm. because now you see someone that can do it. So take this and run with it. And um, so for me, that's like the responsibility that comes with achieving um, this goal is that someone showed me that I can do it. Now I can show someone else that they can do it. I love that. I talked to uh, Dina Castor on this podcast, and she was kind of. I was asking her about the younger marathoners chasing like the American record mm-hmm. that she's held for quite a while, and she kind of said something similar to what you just said that really resonated with me. Like, I I I went after that record. I held that record, and now it's for someone else to chase. Oh yeah. Records are meant to be broken. Yeah. My high school record was actually broken by Raven Sanders, who was, um, what, I think she got fifth at the Olympic trials, I mean, at the Olympic Games, um, fifth or sixth. But she broke my high school record. Okay. That stood for, like, over 10 years. And was that exciting to you for her? Like, you were excited for her? I was excited for her, because records are meant to be broken. Yeah. Like, I don't want to put a record out there. Well, besides my dad. My dad has a record that's, like, probably won't it's be broken like for another 20 die. years. <laughs> He's 81 feet in high school. I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to really see that anytime soon. But that's something that you can aspire to. That you want to break that record to show that, okay, you were great, but I know I can be better. Yeah. <laughs> So do you, um, obviously your faith faith was strengthened through everything. Yes. In 2016. It was. Is that something that your parents instilled in you growing up? Yes, it was. Um, My faith in church played a major part in my life. If I wasn't at school doing sports, I was at church volunteering, doing something. Like in church, I was um, part of like the youth leadership. I was on, I did I was an usher for a little while. I sang in a choir. Um, I even worked in the nursery. So I've always been heavily involved in church, and even still to this day, I volunteer with our youth program when I am home and when I do have a chance, and I love it because um, through those programs and spending that time at church um, definitely helped me through major parts of my life because it's like you laying down this foundation and then having that foundation in my faith through Christianity has definitely held me up in hard times where people probably would crumble and to the rest of the world they have the right to but at the end of the day God reminds me like hey you don't have to you don't have to fight by yourself you're not sitting alone I'm here with you and having that knowing that has definitely changed my mindset in a lot of situations to help me keep moving forward and propel um, my life forward. Well, and speaking of hard times in the video that I watched of your parents, that when you were younger, you were diagnosed with dyslexia and ADD? Yes, ADHD. ADHD. I knew I was going to say that wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But back to your dad and your mom again. I mean, the way they kind of brought you up in sport as well, um, how they kind of brought you through that diagnosis and kind of not letting that rule your life was very inspiring as well. I know that I just remember my mom telling me about what the doctors were saying to her about me. It was like, she's never going to make it without medication. Like she's too severe. Like I have a high, I'm really, really smart. My IQ was like beyond, um, the average, (laughs) 
<laughs> excuse me, but she's not going to make it through school without medicine. And my mom's like, well, I don't believe that, <laughs> you know? So my mom worked with me after school, make sure I did my homework. Um, she would tell me like, Hey Michelle, you have to learn how to sit still. Like I know it's going to be hard, but during this time we're going to sit and we're going to be still. And we're going to be quiet. Mm. So I had to learn how to sit still. I had to know like, okay, Michelle, you have to learn how to take notes. And it was hard for me to focus. Cause if I get bored, I tune out, I'm in my own world, but I had to learn like, okay, this is important. This is stuff I need to know. So I have to remember if I do daydream to bring myself back. I remember going to tutoring every day in school for an hour that wasn't a part of the school. I went to a private tutor, and I gave that woman the blues. <laughs> because if I didn't want to do it today, I didn't want to do it. I'm very strong-willed. But I appreciate that my parents made me do that. And at that time, because it was normal for me because I did it, I didn't even know that wasn't normal for everybody else mm-hmm. because it was normal for my everyday life. To go to the tutor. To go to the tutor. I didn't know everybody else wasn't going to tutoring too. I just assumed, like, okay, well, I'll see y'all later. I'm gone for an hour. I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then my parents did what was necessary for me to um, stay on course. So when I got to high school, you had to get tested again. It was like, she's not going to make it through high school. And my mom's like, oh, she'll be fine. So when I graduated from high school, I have a full scholarship to the University of Texas. But now since I have this paper trail that's been following me my whole academic career. I get to college, and they're like, she has to get tested again so we can know where she's at. So I get tested again, and the doctor told my mom, how did she make it through high school? Like, there's no way she should have made it to high school. What's the test? I don't know. I couldn't even tell you. (laughs) Whatever the test is they make you take to decide how severe your ADHD and dyslexia is, I don't even know how that test works because I've... To be honest, I really don't care. Yeah, but it's like they decided that oh, like there's no way she should have graduated. Like, how did she even graduate? Not gra- I graduated in the top like 15 percent of my class. Like I was pretty up there. I wasn't bad. Um, my SATs and ACT scores were good. Um, and it was like, how did she do this? Like, there's no way she's going to make it through college. Like, now, it was like, she got away with it in high school. She's not going to get away with it in, high, in college. Like, they were telling my mom, like, she has to take medication. And so um, they did, like, give us a prescription. So I was like, you know what? Like, what do you think? Like, we know college is different. You're going to have a full schedule. Mom said, I don't want you to try it, but... Really going to try it to see what happens, to see if it does make life a little easier for you. Because I know you're going to have to work really, really hard. And I'm like, well, you know, okay, like I'll try it. We took one pill for one day, and I was cleaning my bathroom for four hours with a toothbrush. <laughs> like it's like Adderall. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom said. She knew I was cleaning up. She left me alone. And then when she came back later, I was still cleaning up. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm almost done. And so when she finally actually walked into my bathroom to see exactly what I was doing and that I had just a toothbrush to clean the whole bathroom, she was like, you know what, Michelle? Stop. Go outside and play. (laughs) Stop. Like, no. Like, this is not you. This is not your personality. She said, we're not going to take the medicine because it's going to change who you are. Yeah. And... You are who you are, and we want you to stay that way. She so said, it's going to be hard, but you can get it done. You're going, to work, you're going to have to work twice as hard as everybody else, if not more than that. But it can be done if this is what you want. And I'm saying, if this is what you want, can't nobody stop you. 
And that's what my parents instilled in me. So when I got to college, I knew that it was going to be hard, but I stayed in study hall. I got the tutors. I talked to my teachers. I did everything that I needed to do. I only failed one class, and it was chemistry because the teacher was horrible, number one. I felt but, <laughs> and, and I took it again, but I passed. And then I took algebra and got an A in algebra. You know, stuff like that. Like, I, I knew I could do it, but I stayed in study hall. I stayed in tutoring. Um, I did what was necessary to make myself successful. And everybody else would look at me crazy because as an upperclassman, you're not supposed to be in study hall. You can study at home. But I knew myself. I knew if I go home, it's over. I'm not getting any work done. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in study hall to hold myself accountable to make sure that I made the grace to stay eligible to do my job, and that was to throw the shop with. So how does it does it that affect you now in your everyday life? Like when you read a book, I, school me on dyslexia because I don't know as much as I should. Oh, yeah. Dyslexia um, is sometimes you just get confused. Okay. Like a, um, a B will look like a D. Okay. Or um, you get certain letters mixed up, or you might read something backwards, or you get the letters and numbers mixed up. Um, Like, for me, I really have to focus, because I will read a word wrong, (laughs) because it will look one way to me, and then, but it's really something else. Or um, you get confused on what line you're on. Okay. So I remember growing up, I had to, like, have a sheet of paper or a bookmarker to make sure that I'm not reading the same sentence over and over again okay. because that would happen because I'll get confused like where was I and you end up like I just read that and you think you went down but I'm right back on that same yeah. line I just read again so it's like sometimes you have to slow yourself down and really just focus and make sure make sure you're paying attention to the details yeah to um not kind of mess up what you're doing what did you major in youth and community studies with a minor in kinesiology okay so when you graduated college when did you know you were for sure going professional well, as soon as I graduated, I graduated college in 2007, and the Olympics was in 2008. Okay. And I'm like, well, it's right there. I can't not try, and it's the next year. Yeah. So I just stuck with it to see what would happen. And were you, have you always been sponsored by Nike? No. In okay. the beginning, I actually had a horrible senior year <laughs> <laughs> in track and field okay. because, um, Due to me making teams and stuff in the summertime, I never took summer school. Okay. So I um, uh, ended up taking 18, 19-hour semesters. Whew. Exactly. Yeah, that's who, a lot. Who does that? And I have <laughs> and ADHD and dyslexia. And I'm in track and field. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, listen, I came here to get an education, and it's paid for. I don't want to stay in school longer than four years because I feel like four years of school is max for me. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to do what I need to do to graduate on time. And my senior year, it took, it took a toll on me because I'm like, okay, I have all these classes. I'm almost done. So I took the max amount of classes they let me take each semester. And part of my workout would fail. I went to practice, but I wouldn't go to the weight room all the time. So my senior year, I finished like, Six at NCAAs and fifth at U.S. Nationals. So nobody was checking for me. Okay. <laughs> so um, after I made the team in 2008, I won the Olympic trials. Still no offers. Still none. I went to Olympic Games, finished 15th. Still nothing. Um, I knew in 2009, I told I was working. I actually got a job at the end of 2008, going into 2019. This to kind of help 
my family and myself, knowing that I was going to have to travel. and Because were I you living had, at home? I was living at home. I okay. went back home. Um, I had expenses, and so I worked the front desk at 24-Hour Fitness. So I work out during the day, go home, eat lunch, change clothes, and go to work until, like, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And at this point, you're an Olympian already. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and um, I just remember leading up to world championships, I was like, Michelle, you got to throw your butt off because I'm not coming back and working and trying to be a professional athlete. Like, I need to get somebody's contract so I can move at my parents' house, number one. <laughs> <laughs> and that I can really just be a professional in what I do because this is what I want to do. Yeah. And then going into 2009 season, I finished um, sixth place at um, World Championships. And I got a contract after that. Okay. And that was with Nike? Yes. Okay. So then you've been with them for eight years? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right, everybody, before we continue my conversation with Michelle, I want to thank Four Sigmatic for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I first heard about Four Sigmatic from other podcasts, and then Allie Kiefer came on the show, Allie Kiefer, who got fifth place at the New York City Marathon, raving about the product, so I had to try it. So there's a whole kingdom of mushrooms that exist that have amazing health benefits for immunity, energy, and longevity that have been studied for centuries. So at Four Sigmatic, they believe in the real magic of functional mushrooms, and guess what? I do too. And Four Sigmatic makes drinking these mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do with mushroom coffees, superfood blends, and elixirs. I recently tried the superfood blend, and I really, really love it. So the superfood blend provides you with electrolytes. It's vegan, gluten-free, GMO-free, and it has no additives or preservatives. I also highly recommend trying out and getting started, actually, this is a good starting spot, with the mushroom coffee mix, the dark roast. You can use it for your French press coffee machine or you can use it to pour over. Now, what I love about this as well is that it's certified organic and fair trade. I'm choosy about the things I plan on buying organic or non-organic, but coffee beans have always been important to me to buy organic because I know that the non-organic beans are sprayed very heavily so that's something I've always prioritized and I love that it's fair trade because it's really important to me to buy products that workers are being paid fair wages for everything they're doing so this is a really reputable good company doing great things and trust me try this mushroom coffee and tell me you don't have a better kind of energy than you have from just drinking plain old regular coffee so I have a deal for you you guys can go to foursigmatic.com slash another and use the discount code another to get 15% on all orders placed on their website. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash A-N-O-T-H-E-R. Foursigmatic.com slash another. Use the discount code another and get 15% off your order. Thank you so much for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast. All right, you guys, let's continue this conversation with Michelle. So beyond track and field, though, you're like really into makeup. And, yes. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I've always been that girl with hair, the makeup, the clothes. That's always been me. I remember in 2008, uh, I was on the team with Aretha Thurman. She's a discus thrower and... Uh, after everybody was finished, some other throwers were all getting dressed to go out. And, of course, I'm taking the longest. 
I come downstairs, I'm like, makeup's done, hair done, <laughs> I have on a dress and heels, and everybody else have on tennis shoes and a shirt. And I'm trying to figure out, like, where are y'all going? I thought you said we were going out. They're like, we are. I'm like, not dressed like that. Like, that's not my idea. And so after that first night, the second night, some of the girls like, hey, can you do my makeup? Aww. I was like, yeah, sure. So I was doing Aretha's makeup. And she said, well, you know you can get paid to do this. I'm like, you're right. I sure can. So I went home, found me a makeup class, and learned how to apply makeup on others better. Because mm. I can do it. I just wasn't that confident in it. Mm-hmm. So I took a couple of classes, and I've always done it. Like, I do it. I don't do it as much as I would like to, but um, I have friends that definitely call me when they have special occasions or someone I'm like I heard you do makeup like can I book I'm like yeah sure like what's what's they you need I can set it and we go forward with it there is something that feels so good when someone else does your makeup someone that knows what they're doing yeah yeah that's the <laughs> that's the key when someone who knows what they're doing <laughs> yeah I have a friend that does makeup for fun she's a hairdresser yeah. but there was one night soon after my I had my third baby and I just remember I was going to a party and I just felt so gross and so bad about myself and I just yeah. called her and I was like are you home by chance? Yeah. And she did my makeup, and I felt like a brand new person. Oh, yeah. Just for the night, you know? Yeah. No, I understand. Cause I feel like, for me, I believe makeup enhances what's already there. Yeah. And then sometimes, when you are having those days, you do need a little pick-me-up. And I, that's what makeup does for me. Like, I love it. Okay, so are you wearing fake eyelashes? I am. Okay, I've never worn them. <laughs> what? I know, I and when I them. see people wearing them, I'm like... Should I try it? Yes, you should. Because everybody on TV <laughs> has them on. Well, yeah. They yeah. have those eyelash extensions most yeah. of the time. No, I love them because I feel like they kind of add a little something extra to your face. Uh-huh. Like, makeup with eyelashes is cool, but I call it the lash effect. Like, I I will post pictures, like, on Instagram sometimes, and I'm like, hey, makeup without lashes, makeup with lashes. Totally different. And everybody's like, oh, I see the difference. I'm like, yes. It kind of just brightens your face and opens your eyes a little bit, just yeah. adds a little bit more to it. I just love it. I just, I love <laughs> I take it back. I just remembered I wore them one time as when I was a bridesmaid. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I did wear them one time. Okay, so where do you get your lashes? Or do you get them everywhere. Done? Oh, no. I, I buy them. Okay. I order them online. I'll go to the beauty supply store and order them. What's your you favorite You can get them brand? at Target, Walmart. Um, Ardell is my favorite. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the brand. Yeah. Okay, so while we're talking about beauty products and things like that, um, you've talked about before how you're kind of in a sport that's not considered feminine and girly, and you've kind of... You're yeah. you're known as the shot diva, yes. so you've kind of like defied. You've kind of like moved past that. How do you do that? And um, how do you kind of like break down that? I don't know if I should say um, what word am I looking for? It's a stereotype. How do you break down that stereotype? Yeah, um, it was just part of who I was. Yeah, in high school. Um, I used to wear nails and throw. Like oh, I had wow. to get my nails done, like with um, like acrylic nails. Uh-huh. And before every track meet, I would get my nails painted, get some kind of design on there, get my hair done. And I couldn't wear makeup back then, though. But I tried. <laughs> I put on some lip gloss oh, or something. You didn't know how to do it. Well, no, mom wouldn't allow uh, me to. Okay. Yeah, my mom's like, you know, you can't really wear makeup like that until you get a little older. (laughs) But she'll let me get my nails done. So I was like, okay, before my track meet, I have to get my nails done and my hair done. Like, that was, like, what I had to do. And that's always been my routine because that was just who I was. Because I feel like when you get, everybody else get ready to go to work, 
They get dressed, they comb mm-hmm. their hair, make sure their nails are done, make sure their hair is done, put on makeup. I'm like, well, I'm going to work too. Yeah. Let me do my hair, put my makeup on, make sure my nails are good, make sure I look good to go to work. And um, it just, it's kind of stuck for me because that was just part of who I am. But there was a point where I kind of questioned, was I doing too much? Mm. Because the people who were winning, they weren't looking like me. Mm. And... Um, I had people make comments like, don't you think you might want to tone it down like everybody else so you can at least win because you don't have to be pretty to win. But I'm like, but when you win, people take pictures and <laughs> and video, then, then you don't look ugly. <laughs> so I always wanted to make sure that I looked my best and I had to kind of snap out of it. Like that works for them, uh-huh. but that's not me. I can still be me and be cute and still win. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong. I throw this big, heavy ball in some dirt. I'm larger than the average size woman but I'm cute when I do it yeah so I just kind of just stuck with that because that was who I am I can't deny half of myself try to be great someone else I need all of me to be me to be great yeah so you have your uh program the you throw girl yes tell everybody about that so I have a camp called you throw girl sports confidence camp and it's um, a camp to help empower and inspire young female athletes just to be the best they can be because people do think that you can't be pretty and be a great athlete and that's not true like if that if you're if you want to be be cute if you don't want to then that's fine too you just want to wear a ponytail cool but if you don't you don't have to so it kind of just help free up, you know, just free your mind mm-hmm. to be yourself. Yeah. And when you're true to yourself, that's when you can really be who you're meant to be. And I want to help young girls do that and be confident in who they are, not just on the field or on in sports, but in just in life in general. So, so is that a camp that happens in the summertime? Yes. Um, for now, yes. Yeah. I'm definitely looking to add and grow it over time. But right now, yes, it is in the summertime. Okay, so what's next for you in the shot put world? Well, I'm still competing. Um, my goal is to go for one more Olympic okay, Games. Okay, a fourth. Yes, go for a fourth one. And then after that, we'll reevaluate everything. Okay. <laughs> what are you focusing on right now? Because it's kind. Of, is it kind of a off it's an off year. year yeah. Yes. This year, um, especially just battling it, battling injuries in the last few years. Yeah. Um, just giving my body time to recover. Yeah. Just relax a little bit. The last three years were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and very busy. So this year, I kind of just want to take my time and really just focus on getting in better shape, um, working on some flexibility, just working on some small things to fine tune to get ready to handle the next three years. So do you do, like, speaking opportunities and things like that? I'm I sure do. you get requests all the time. Yes. I, I, I go speak, and I've been enjoying that. It's been fun. Yeah. I love doing that. Um, with um, I do my camp, and I also participate with um, other people's camps, and I enjoy it all. So what's the experience like um, being on the Team USA at the Olympics? It's awesome. I feel like no one else has the experience that we have on our team because um, we're the world's best team. Like the, We're the world's team. And um, our USA and USATF and USOC, they take care of us. Yeah. So um, I'm proud to be on, the, on Team USA because 
we have the best uniforms, <laughs> in my opinion, and um, we have great staff to make sure that we have everything that we need to be successful. Are you close with the girls on the team? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, teach us one or two things about shot put that for someone who doesn't know anything about shot put, what yes. are just a couple basics? The couple, they are, one major thing that people don't realize that your power comes from your legs. Okay. Like you see me throw the ball, that's just the end result. Okay. But I'm creating power from my legs on up. Okay. Yeah. So what are, what are key workouts that you do to strengthen your legs for that? Squats for sure. Okay. Cleans, leg press, leg extension, leg curls, lunges, like anything legs, I'm pretty sure it's going to help you. <laughs> so are you, when you're training intensely, are you focusing like 50% on throw form and whatnot, 50% on strength and legs and stuff? And actual lifting? Yeah. Um, mostly just general strength. There are some exercises that I would do that could be throw specific, but uh, for the most part... You need overall strength in all your muscles because if you have, um, let's say, if my arms or my biceps are really strong, but I have weak lats, I'm not going to be able to create and hold that power all the way through because I have a missing link that's not strong. So you want to make sure you're strong all over to make sure that you can hold and create that power to hold those positions to throw far. Okay. All right. Well, the Shot Diva is coming back for 2020. We know that. Yes, she is. <laughs> um, all right, Michelle. Well, I always finish up the conversation with some fun questions into the podcast questions. But first, I just wanted to ask you, what are some things you like to do for fun outside of shot put and makeup? I like to go to the movies. And I like to go out to eat. I'm not going to lie. I like to go out to eat and find new restaurants and just hang out with friends and family. Did you go out to eat last night here in Indy? Well, I didn't because I got, I got in pretty late. Okay. But I did order room service okay. at the hotel, and they had this chicken stew that was awesome. Well, you're staying at the Alexander's really nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's cozy. If you ever get by and get the soup like that stew, it's really, really good. I was really surprised. So are you going to go anywhere tonight? No, because I leave like at 7 o'clock yeah. tonight. So oh, you leave I'll, tonight. I was thinking tonight, yeah. tomorrow morning. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll go eat when I get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right, Michelle. So what's one thing professionally or personally that you've never done that you'd like to accomplish still? Oh, my goodness. To sing in a musical. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, you sang growing up in church. In church and also in high school. I did solo and ensemble at, at state. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So I made it all the way to state. But I'm really, really shy when it comes to singing. So it's in a musical and I want to sing the national anthem at the Olympic trials one day. Okay. You might know people. To like, I might know a couple might of people, but you know, I got this shyness I have. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get over that part first. Well, that's probably hard, too, because it's not like you've been practicing that like you've been practicing no, shot put. No, not at all. Okay, that's cool. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? <laughs> well, of course, I'll have to say the gold medal. Not just because I have a gold medal, but just the response that I've received from people who watched me get the gold medal. Um, just the the um, the messages I get from young girls and other women, like, you know what? Thank you for doing what you do and looking the way that you look because we don't see that often. Mm. Like, I am a plus-size woman, and I'm an athlete, and people don't think about those two things together often. And um, I... 
I show somebody, I show them something different, and that their bodies are created to do something great. You have to figure out what it is and go for it. That's really important too. And you mentioned this before, uh, not in this interview, but on somewhere else, saying that you know, like our bodies were all created so differently and uniquely for a certain purpose. Yeah, and you're proving that with with what you're doing in the sport. Yep. Lots of role, lots of little young girls to look up to you for that. Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, my goodness. I'm actually reading, um, Is it? I think it's Business Boutique. Okay. By um, um, Christine, I can't think of her last name, but it's Dave Ramsey's daughter. Oh. Or his daughter or someone that works in his group, some, something like that. But she has a, a book for ladies, for women who are... Um, starting their own businesses. Okay. Just to kind of walk you through the steps on what to be prepared for or how to even make your business plan and just kind of get your business together to make sure that you've covered all your bases. I heard his daughter on another podcast. I wonder if it is her book. I know she has written a book. Yes. I, know, I can't remember if that was actually his daughter or somebody else because I know he has a couple of people in the Dave yeah. Ramsey group. Okay, so what podcast do you like to listen to? Oh, my goodness. Um, my favorite podcast, I have to give it to Eric Thomas. Um, he called him the, um, Eric Thomas, the hip-hop preacher. Okay. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yes. So it's him and three guys. It's like his, his, his ride-or-die guys. And he's a motivational speaker. I've been listening to him for years. Okay. And... Um, it's funny because he has given me a couple of shout outs on his podcast because oh, so I've been cool. listening for so long. But he's definitely um, a great podcast to listen to to kind of get you through those tough times. He comes at you with that hard, like, like if you don't get it done, it's not going to get done. Like, if you're lazy, be lazy. Say you're lazy because you're lazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. But if you want to get get up off your behind and get it done, like, that's him straight up in your face if you don't do it it's not gonna get done so i definitely like listening to him because he definitely kind of encourages you to really go after and really push and really work hard because nothing comes easy yeah you have to work for it and if it comes easy you might want to question how is it coming to you (laughs) so is he like rapping while he's preaching if it's the hip-hop well i call him hip-hop preacher because he doesn't look like your typical motivational speaker. Okay. He comes out in suit and tie. He wears T-shirts, jeans, Jordans, and a ball cap. Okay. And he's not the most proper. He's from Michigan, Detroit, Michigan. So he has this roughness about him. Um, he talks about how he was a high school dropout, but how he um, was able to get his life back on track and how he had to work for it because it wasn't given to him. Okay. And so he was saying, like, things are not going to be given to you in life. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to work you're gonna fall pick yourself up and get back at it and um so during that hard time in 2016 i was listening to a lot of his podcasts oh, a lot of his awesome. messages and so they couldn't splice some of his podcasts or some of his um speaking engagements and they put it to music okay so he has some songs but it's not him singing or rapping but it's him talking with music behind it and they'll cut and splice it and make it into a song and it's actually pretty cool oh cool yeah Okay, so who's some who's a guest you would like to hear on this podcast? I guess I would like to hear. I would have to say, um, I'll say Emma. Have you done Emma? Oh, Emma Coburn. Yeah. No, I haven't had her yet. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah, she's super sweet, and um, I know she's uh, accomplished a lot, and um, I would love to hear more of her story. Okay. Well, I have her on my list. Let's get her on for sure. <laughs> 
All right, Michelle. Well, welcome to Indy. And thank you. I know it was a short but sweet stay, but yeah. we're happy to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Michelle, for coming on the show. You guys can find Michelle on social media. If you just go to Shot Diva, that's what she's at on all her platforms. And you can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, lindsayhine626, Twitter, at lindsayhine, and I have a Facebook page. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We do have a book club for this podcast as well, where we talk about it in our group, and in the Facebook group. Um, I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine Facebook group. And this month, for the month of January, we're reading the book called A Man Called Ove. I probably said that wrong. It's Ave or Ove? I don't know. It's O-V-E. But podcast guest Alicia DeFabio recommended that book. And since then, I've heard so many people rave about it. So I decided to make that our first pick of the year. All right, everybody. I'm so excited about 2018 and what we have planned for you. So many great interviews already recorded and lined up and just lots of fun stuff. Hey, episode 100, I'm having my friend and former guest on the show, Maggie Dials, interview me for the podcast. That's right, having an episode where someone interviews me. I thought it would be fun for the 100th episode to have Maggie ask me the kinds of questions that I ask my guests. So at the end of that episode, I will be happy to answer all kinds of listener questions. So send me an email, lindsay at lindsayhine.com, if you'd like to submit a question for that episode. That's episode 100, which will air two weeks from today. So try to get those questions into me by Thursday, January 11th, so that I have time to get those recorded for the episode. Really excited to share that with you and hope that you enjoy it. All right. Thank you, Four Sigmatic, for supporting this podcast episode. You guys go over to foursigmatic.com slash another and use the discount code another to get 15% off your order. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.